Hello everyone, welcome to episode 26 of the Undisputed Future Podcast. I am CD Danny Mac. I hope you enjoyed episode 25 and my September summary. I know it was a big special, a little bit unexpected, but I'm back, I'm caught up, I'm ready to discuss the landscape of NXT, kicking things off in the month of October, and October starts off in a huge way with an NXT Championship match, a long-awaited match between Roderick Strong and the champion Drew Mac. But to address things and to first kick things off about the discussion of the October 4th episode of NXT, probably the most interesting story in the women's division, of course, outside of the changing title and who's moving on to Houston for that opportunity, but Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross, this reluctant alliance that seems to have taken shape in the face of the iconic duo Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Now, Ruby Riot was granted a handicap match a couple times in the form of a tag team match where Nikki Cross has showed up and Ruby Riot granted another tag team match expecting it, expecting it to be a handicap match and Cross comes to her aid again. There was strong crowd support for the solo Ruby Riot in the beginning of this one. Ruby holding up the attack as much as she can and the iconic duo berating her and mocking her that she couldn't have this partner, that Nikki Cross is so psychotic and unreliable as it seemed, and Cross would appear later through the crowd unexpected. Slowly, but surely, she did get up to the apron. She did manage to come to Ruby Riot's aid during a headlock, during a vicious hold in the time of the matchup where Ruby Riot was taking a brunt and a vicious assault between the two ladies, Peyton and Billy. But Cross reluctantly able to accept this temporary partnership or whatever you want to call it and just put the absolute smackdown on the iconic duo, which is what Nikki Cross and is what sanity is there to do. They're there to cause chaos and quite frankly, causing chaos and this mental distress with Ruby Riot. Am I going to have a partner? Am I not going to have a partner? It's still insanity's wheelhouse. Granted, it is helping Riot in the process. So Nikki Cross did manage to come out. She did help Ruby Riot during this one. Cross kicking out out of a huge bulldog-to-knee combination that we've seen from the iconic duo in the past, that we've seen these two put countless women away with in the division, but Cross able to kick out of that, able to withstand this hardship, able to tag Ruby Riot back in after a huge drop kick, and a blind tag by Riot would seal this one. Riot came in, a Pele kick to the temple, this Cross and Riot pairing another victory over Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Unexpected, again, I think is the theme here. Nikki Cross coming to anybody's aid, not being this lone wolf in the division, having this, even if it was just for the sake of taking out the iconic duo, it was still showing partnership with a woman that she has been so competitive with over the NXT Women's Championship. We've seen Cross and Riot go at it toe-to-toe, and especially in that triple threat match with Asuka for the NXT Women's Championship, these women were so focused on tearing each other apart that they dropped the ball and the championship was still around the 
waste of Asuka. Now these two are joining forces together, it definitely shapes for a creative story in the women's division. It kind of takes our mind off of where this women's championship scene is going. We'll have to see what the future holds for Ruby Riot against the iconic duo. Will Nikki Cross be a consistent force against them? Will another situation come up where Ruby Riot is going to have to come to Nikki Cross's aid? There's a lot of questions in the NXT universe right now in the women's division, the championship being a big one, but this story not too far away. Will this alliance between Cross and Riot continue? What is the future with their rivalry with the iconic duo where do the four of these ladies fall in the landscape of the nxt women's championship there's a lot of personal rivalry and there's a lot of big picture things in this tag team matchup i thought it was a great match to top things off and like i've been saying there's a lot of questions here where this alliance goes what are the iconic duo gonna do as far as going for the nxt women's championship themselves Uh, Are there seams torn between those two because of the recent losses? We just don't know. Uh, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, top competitors in the division, Ruby Riot, Nikki Cross. Strange alliance at the moment, but definitely taking your mind off where the NXT Women's Championship is at the moment, and it's definitely got me thinking. Another guy who's got me thinking, especially after this interview, is the behemoth of NXT right now. Lars Sullivan. We saw Oni Larkin and Lars Sullivan in a hard-hitting matchup at the end of September. Danny Burch coming to the aid of his former rival, Oni Larkin, but a man who has obviously earned his respect, and there's a mutual competitive sportsmanship respect there. But Lars Sullivan conducting an interview, and I gotta say, the man has a big vocabulary. A big man with a big vocabulary, And he seems to emphasize able to always be in control of his personality and his anger, which, I mean, it might have a short fuse because I haven't seen that under control very often. You could ask any of his tag team partners. You could ask Oni Lorcan from that past matchup. Lars Sullivan might be in control of his anger, but that control probably doesn't last very long. One thing I did take away from this interview, though, I like this idea of Lars Sullivan kind of being a uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde sort of ca- sort of character, because like I mentioned, he's very well-spoken. There is a big vocabulary behind this destruction, so I think it can make for an interesting layer if he does steer into this academic, well-spoken, but once he steps into the ring, he's a force unlike you've seen before, and he's a big force in NXT. We'll see him take on Danny Burch. Will Danny Burch be able to be in control of his fear, is the question Lars Sullivan was asking. We'll discuss that next week, next episode, Danny Burch takes on Lars Sullivan, but somebody making their NXT debut is Leo Rush. Leo Rush, the newest signee to NXT, a 22-year-old prodigy who I have done a lot of internet research about. I looked up his signing before. Uh, Topanga from Boy Meets World is also a huge fan of his, so a lot of 90s nostalgia able to clash for Leo Rush. But just a little bit about his background, he's been wrestling in over 40 different states. He does have overseas experience in UK and Mexico, and I like to use a paradox phrase when it comes to Leo Rush. He's a young veteran. He's a world-traveled guy. He's got plenty of ability based on what I've seen in his videos. He was slated to take on Aleister Black in 
what I thought could be another rising star moment, like we saw with Bobby Fish, like we saw with Kyle O'Reilly, like we saw with Cesar Banani. Three really good hard-hitting singles matches, and these guys got better placement in NXT. Banani holds a win over Andrade Cien Almas. We know about the Undisputed Era with Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. I thought this would be a really good launching pad for Leo Rush, But somebody else had something to say about this. A man who has been trying to be a thorn in Aleister Black's side as of late. The Velveteen Dream attacking Leo Rush during Aleister Black's entrance. Taking out the young veteran before he even gets a chance to step in the ring with the Dutch Destroyer. Like I mentioned just a couple seconds ago. Velveteen Dream wanting to get the ire rising out of Aleister Black. Wanting to get his attention. Wanting Aleister Black... To say his name. Aleister Black seeming to stare through this. And just not really paying much attention to the attention grabbing aspect of Velveteen Dream. And attention grabbing is what Velveteen Dream is. The guy is flamboyant. The guy's over the top. He's... His entrance calls for attention. His demeanor. The way he speaks. The way he demands ambiance. He's very specific but he also insists that all eyes are on him. And Aleister Black being able to see through this attention-seeking behavior seems to have struck a chord with Velveteen Dream. We saw it from the first time they interacted with the first time Aleister Black speaking on a live microphone in front of Full Sail. This rivalry seems to be all about acknowledgement. Aleister Black staring dead ahead right through the Velveteen Dream as Dream asks to say his name. Now, I like this rivalry. I think it's a big yin and yang. I like that it's one big conflict of a dark and mysterious character where it's the -the over-the-top, I command attention when I walk into the room side of Velveteen Dream. I think it's a very, very good rivalry put together. I can't wait to see where the future of this one goes. I'm rooting for Aleister Black all the way, so that proves to show what Velveteen Dream's heel work has done, because I'm all for this gimmick. I think it's excellent, and I think the way he's able to take it and run with it in such a heel way in the short period of time it's been in this rivalry, it's really impressed me so far. I think Velveteen Dream, Patrick Clark, is a talented individual. I think the man has tried enough things in the NXT world that this has stuck for him, and I think it's going to provide him with a bit of success. I think this rivalry, whether he comes out on the winning end or not, is a completely different question, but I think it's going to elevate him nonetheless. Somebody who has captured the attention of professional wrestling fans in the WWE, NXT, all over universe alike, is the Japanese Pirate Princess and the Mae Young Classic Tournament winner, Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane grabbing the attention of people worldwide when she entered the Mae Young Classic Tournament. She had been a talent I had heard of here and there, but being able to witness her and seeing what a big deal that elbow drop was, and I'm fully on the Kyrie Sane bandwagon now. Fantastic match with uh, Shayna Baszler in the finals of the tournament. Kyrie Sane is going a long way. And if we know anything from NXT women's talents, the Japanese ones tend to do pretty well there. And Kyrie Sane making her NXT television debut tonight against Aaliyah. And this first thought probably shouldn't have popped into my head with Kyrie Sane being in the ring, but 
I've been paying attention to Aaliyah for quite some time now, and I'm wondering, is she going heel again? Last I saw, and last I remember seeing on NXT television, she was working on this Cat's Meow gimmick and being on the same side as Liv Morgan as kind of a babyface unit going against the iconic duo. I don't know if it was just for the sake of this matchup. I don't know if it was for the sake that Aaliyah has been a constant in this NXT women's division for quite some time. She's probably a reliable enough hand by now where you can go to somebody like Kyrie Sane making a grand scale NXT television debut and get a very good matchup out of her. And Aaliyah definitely proved that, I think. I think Aaliyah's been working on her arsenal. It's definitely showed Uh, This goes all the way back to the WWE Breaking Ground special on the network. Aaliyah Noof, whatever her name is, I believe it's Noof. Uh, She's a hard worker, always looking to learn, always looking to tweak her character and find something. And it's definitely shown with the recent success of Aaliyah. It's constant improvement on her part. And I'm proud of her as somebody who's been watching her for a long time on NXT television. I'm really hoping something clicks soon. I thought the cat's meow EDM sort of gimmick was really piecing together. I really hope there's a way that she can see that through. Anyway, taking on Kyrie Sane in her NXT television debut and Kyrie Sane debuting on NXT television, but displaying exactly what she's shown in the Mae Young Classic, the hard chops, the hard strikes, the lots of charisma from the Pirate Princess, and a pretty nice spear for somebody her size as well, really throws her whole entire body into it. It was really a showcase for both women, now that I'm really thinking about the match. It wasn't as one-sided as you'd expect a tournament winner. That probably, again, contributes to how long Aaliyah's been a constant in NXT. You don't want to see anybody with her caliber and with her experience on the brand just get squashed by somebody because they won a tournament. So I thought it was a really good showcase for Aaliyah's new ring skills and as well as an introduction to the NXT universe and show us what Kyrie Sane is all about. For those of us who might not have watched her independent videos or for those of us who might not have been able to see her on the May Young Classic. It was a good, it was a good introduction, and it was a really good tune-up and a catch-up match to see what Ali has been working on. But Kyrie Sane successful in this one, dropping the insane elbow, and it's a thing of beauty. It's got a really good point on it, and the air this woman gets, it's really, really astounding. And Kyrie Sane is the first of four in Houston for that new NXT Women's Champion. Uh, who's going to be the other three to join her? We get a qualifying matchup next episode between Liv Morgan, one half of the iconic duo Peyton Royce, and Nikki Cross. Now, will this Nikki Cross and Peyton Royce drama escalate in this matchup? Will it open up the door for Liv Morgan to stroll in and capture an NXT Women's Championship opportunity Uh, I'm pulling for Liv, especially with the way she's developed as of late. Peyton Royce, always a credible competitor. I thought she's the iconic duo's stronger of the two in the ring. And Nikki Cross, anything anything is possible with Nikki Cross, the unpredictable women of sanity. 
Now, let's go back to a confirmed matchup for next week. William Regal confirming it in front of the Performance Center. Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas in an NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 rematch. And it opened the show. It was a fantastic way to kick off the show. Johnny Gargano not getting the desired result due to a mental game and a DIY t-shirt by Almas's new manager, associate, whatever she's calling herself, Zelina Vega. And we actually heard from Zelina Vega about this matchup against Gargano, and Zelina Vega is just mad. She's mad that Gargano is getting this rematch, but she, at the same time, is brushing it off and saying that Gargano is just mad that she was able to play his heartstrings and that that DIY distraction played such a role in the results of the matchup. And Vega even going as far to claim as Johnny Gargano being nothing without DIY, Andrade will beat NXT's Golden Boy and probably the most shocking part of this little interview to me is that we brought Johnny back to relevance by sharing the same ring as Andrade in Brooklyn. Really powerful quote, really confident quote by Zelina Vega. Johnny Gargano, arguably the top babyface in NXT, really emotional investment in his matches, and... That's a big claim to say that you brought him back to relevance. The NXT universe will continue to remain behind Johnny Gargano in the midst of this DIY breakup. And if you're not, I don't know what to tell you. You might be a sociopath if you're siding with Tommaso Ciampa in this one. But Johnny Gargano being brought back to relevance, that's quite a powerful term being brought forth by Zelina Vega. Zelina Vega assures victory for Andrade Cien Almas. We will find out in the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 rematch. Next week, Gargano takes on Almas. Bound to be a great TakeOver rematch next week, but we have NXT championship match tonight in this main event. It's Roderick Strong taking on the new champion, Drew McIntyre. McIntyre's first title defense, and he assures it's not going to be his last. McIntyre granted this match to Roderick Strong because he stepped up like a man. Now, I admire that. I admire Roderick Strong's guts stepping in and taking on Drew McIntyre. McIntyre proving that he is a fighting champion and quite frankly, it's a match I've been looking forward to because of the similarities in their finishers. The Claymore kick by Drew McIntyre, I've always thought sick kick by Roderick Strong, Roderick Strong being in NXT first, but not being champion first as he takes on Drew McIntyre tonight after his most recent loss for the championship against Bobby Roode in a heartbreaking loss for Roderick Strong fans and a very clever win for Bobby Roode at the time. But McIntyre's first title defense, it comes at an advantage. McIntyre's size advantage is clear. He has that champion's confidence. It's a battle deep inside of McIntyre to prove that he's worthy of being a top guy and the top of a brand in WWE. Now, this match was hard-hitting. Like every other NXT main event, I try and mention this year, I'm really trying to stay away from that term, I promise you, but sometimes there's just no other way to put things. It was a battle inside the ring and outside the ring, Roderick Strong coming through with a backbreaker on all fronts, as he's expected to do, a huge backbreaker on the steel steps on the outside, 
what a maneuver. I mean, <laughs> if I'm going to quote Vince McMahon on that one, what a maneuver. It You heard it echo through full sail. You heard the steel clang, and you heard McIntyre's back really get in jeopardy there. Roderick Strong working on the lower back, a majority of the matchup, trying to set up for that end of heartbreak maneuver. But Strong at a disadvantage here. McIntyre's size, McIntyre's striking ability, because of the size, he was able to get more of a reach on Roddy. And it was important because it also showed that while Roderick was at a disadvantage, Roddy's resilience and the strong strikes coming back and forth, back and forth, the kick versus the kicks, repeated two counts for Roderick Strong, and these repeated two counts were actually referenced in a way I have not heard in years where JR was a consistent commentator, uh, kicking out and damaging the back. When you're working an opponent's lower back and you're demanding that they're kicking out of a pinfall situation so often, it's going to exacerbate that injury. It's going to agitate it. It's going to force McIntyre to really push his lower back and work to hold on to his championship. And Roderick Strong being the messiah of the backbreaker, I thought it was really worth referencing. I thought it was an excellent call on Morrow's part. And Nigel and Percy, just as a whole on the commentary table, really going back to why go for a pin cover if you know that's not going to be the three count. Well, it's also working on the opponent's injury if you're working on the lower back. And Roderick Strong's back was worked on too. There was a huge powerbomb to the post by McIntyre, just really proving that the size advantage kicked in for McIntyre really towards the end there. McIntyre getting the adrenaline rush and the champion's confidence coming full front and striking Strong with everything he got. Sick kick by Strong for a really close two count. The powerbomb would set up a big comeback for the champion. A future shock DDT during this one. I really hope Nikki Six saw it. But it didn't set up for a cover. It set up for Roderick Strong being defiant almost in a you-better-finish-me-off sort of way. And McIntyre definitely took it to a defiant Roderick Strong and hit him with a big Claymore kick for a first successful title defense and a 1-2-3. Now, the future shock to Claymore was an excellent combination. I thought it was great to see both of McIntyre's finishers being brought to the forefront. But I also liked the sportsmanship at the end Second time in a row, unfortunately, Roderick Strong coming up short for the NXT Championship. I thought he was the rightful competitor at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, although it was excellent to see McIntyre win the championship. It was great to see the debut of Adam Cole and the further debuting Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. But there's just something about Roderick Strong being NXT Champion that I always thought was fitting. I thought that the Who Is Roderick Strong segments in the rivalry versus Sanity really did a lot for Strong as a character, and I thought that would have led to him being put in a more championship prime position. But McIntyre, with his redemption story and coming back to be a top guy in WWE, is just as respectable. But Roderick Strong coming up short again in this matchup very important to Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly, three former ROH superstars, and 
Roderick Strong, if you know Roderick Strong, you know him as Mr. ROH, so it's only appropriate that the three of these guys would come out at the end of this matchup as Roderick Strong made his way towards the back and tried to reason with Roddy. It seemed like they were trying to recruit Roderick Strong, and McIntyre definitely having something to say about that, them being the three guys that took him out at the end of TakeOver, Roderick Strong definitely in an awkward middleman situation, McIntyre saying that Roddy is better than that, Roderick Strong getting an offer, it seems, from his ROH brethren, Will Roderick Strong join his ROH brothers? I don't think so. I think Roderick Strong being Mr. ROH, I think he, I think he's kind of leaving that behind. I think he's trying not to hold any grudges. I don't think he's in as much of a, I need to take and get my redemption against NXT. And Adam Cole and Fish and O'Reilly, that's all they seem to want to do is just make sure and really put an exclamation point on this being their era of NXT television. And I don't see Roderick Strong taking that far of a turn. I don't see Roderick Strong finding any sense in joining these three in a hostile takeover of a brand that's been really good to him. William Regal has granted Roderick Strong plenty of opportunity. He hasn't had to show any defiance or get in William Regal's face or yell or scream about anything. He's gotten his championship opportunities. He was able to step in the ring and get his chance at revenge on Bobby Roode. William Regal and Roderick Strong have had a very amicable relationship, and that's why, and that's the biggest reason why, I don't think Roderick Strong will join the Undisputed Era in this hostile takeover of NXT. I actually think Roderick Strong respects the authority of NXT right now, but he is former Mr. ROH. There's a whole nother side to this argument. If you're taking that side of the argument, I'd love to hear about it. Please talk to me about this, guys. It's a constantly changing landscape in NXT. Another big championship matchup in the books. Fantastic win and first defense for Drew McIntyre. And on another big NXT main event, that kicks things off for October, but that ends things for me here. Guys, it's great to be back behind the mic. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for taking the time to join in my NXT discussion. Please join in the discussion further with me at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. I'm trying to put polls up. I'm constantly live tweeting Raw, SmackDown. I'm throwing out questions during the week. I want to talk to you guys about any constantly changing things in NXT. What are your thoughts on NXT TakeOver War Games being brought back to Houston? That's going to be a big conversation the next month or so. Cannot wait for that takeover. So please tweet at me with any thoughts you might have so far. At Undisputed Future Podcast is the Instagram. If you follow me and you've been to some NXT house shows, please feel free to tag the podcast in them. I'd love to see the future and I'd love to see the coverage of NXT and the development of a brand that I care so much about that I'm not geographically able to witness. So if you get out to a house show and you happen to take a couple really good pictures, please follow the Instagram and share these pictures with me. I'd love to see anything NXT does, not in the tapings, not at takeovers. I've been to a few house shows myself, but if you want to share any photos with me, I'd really appreciate it. 
Uh, of course, go find me on Facebook, Undisputed Future Podcast, and stay tuned to the SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm looking for other sources to put the podcast up on, but SoundCloud and iTunes are going to be your first two homes. Once again, I am CD Danny Mac. Thank you for joining me to kick off October. I'm looking to keep the episodes back on a weekly basis. I'm up and running. I feel in a much better place personally, and I'm looking to get my podcast back up and running. NXT is constantly growing. The future of WWE is always growing. People are getting called up and all around, and I'd like to keep the discussion going, not just on a weekly episode basis, but discussion on all things with NXT alumni. So I'm really not only looking to be back, but I'm looking to be back and more consistent with more ideas and to make this show better than ever. Um, Another shout out to the New Paranormal and Mock Draft Podcasts for all your supernatural Halloween fall themed for conversation topics. And what says fall better than some fantasy football? Join the podcast that has emphasis on fans in fantasy at MockDP. You can follow them straight off my Twitter. I've been tagging them in my own fantasy football posts. But if you're just in it for the wrestling, I'm CD Danny Mac. I'm thanking you for stopping by and for listening to my NXT discussion. Nikki Six should be back with me for episode 27. Might be a little bit more back and forth. It might bring out some of the best discussion and some of the best topics in me. So stay tuned for that one. October, I'm looking to come back swinging. And I'm looking to give this show the attention Velveteen Dream believes that he deserves. Yeah, that makes sense, right? (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.